Anybody ready for the word? Keen is going to read for us this morning. We're going to be in Romans 12, 12, Romans 12, 12. Y'all ought to be able to get to Romans quicker than any book in the Bible. We, we, we've been in this book so long. Y'all, y'all ought to know. Y'all ought to know where Romans is. If you don't know where Romans is at this point, ain't no helping it. There's right. hope. There's hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of help. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And now I'm going to read in my native language, which is Yoruba. And it's uh, a language from the southwestern part of Nigeria. Get to it. Praise the Lord. Just sound good, don't it? Man, that's how I need to write love letters. We need to talk, man. I come in there, but I be like, roll over. Oh, never mind, never mind. But you're going to teach me, though. Ooh, be a bad boy. I got to learn it before the marriage retreat, though, for the marriage retreat. Like, get me in there, get me in there. All right, y'all. Let's pray. Let's get to the word before I get too far off track. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your word. Um, what a powerful um, and divine and authoritative word that it is. It's able to to stick to the heart and transforming and get down, God, in those places that we like to keep hidden. And so we pray, God, that you just shine your light upon those places. And, Lord, that you would just transform us this morning. As, we, as I preach about prayer, I pray that somebody in the room today will be encouraged by it. And uh, those whose prayer life has gotten cold, Father, I pray that it would heat up again. And for those who have yet to come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to have access to your throne, I pray, God, that will not be true after the day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get started, I want to haste to give honor to what honor is due. I want to thank my brother Ken Berry for his excellent preaching uh, last Sunday. Can we thank him for that and his diligence in the word? Um, I, I appreciate it. Thank you, my brother and friend. And uh, he preached so good that, that, that his leg got healed. And so we're grateful for it. Come on, y'all. Give it. Come on. He's he been, he been pop-locking and footworking the last week. No, but thank you so much, man. It was a good word. I got the chance to listen to it, and uh, it was good. All right. In Bad Boys 3, y'all don't want to hear nothing. It's been almost three months. In Bad Boys 3, Marcus makes his way to the sanctuary of the hospital to pray after his friend, Mike Laurie who is fighting for his life after being shot. Marcus admits to God it has been a long time since he has spoken or prayed to the Lord. Can you relate? You know how it is when you haven't talked to God in a while, when it's been a minute. You know when you've been talking to God because you go straight in with, with confidence in your chest. You say, God, I come before you today. 
But when you ain't been talking to God for a while, you say, uh, Lord, and you swallow, you swallow. You say, Lord, it's me. It's me again. I know it's been a while, God. I know, I know you ain't heard from me, but here I am. So Marcus begins to intercede and petition God for the life of his friend. In doing so, Marcus makes a bargain with God. If God would deliver Mike Laurie from the trial that he is facing, then Marcus will never do any bad things ever again. That he'll stop the shooting and killing. Well, that didn't last long. You know how it is. You make promises to God until you get in a situation. Of course you ain't going to shoot nobody until they're shooting at you. This describes many of our prayer lives in this place. We find ourselves talking to God only to get us out of bad situations or someone we love out of a bad situation. Y'all not going to talk to me this morning. We find ourselves wandering to church or wandering somewhere on our knees, and every, every time we pray, it is a long time from the last time. We tend not to have a relationship with God, but a situationship with God. We talk to God depending on the situation. And it seems that the conversation is usually around bargaining with God. God, if you get me out of this, or if you get my child out of this, I'll never, ever eat another Oreo cookie. No, that's just me. That's just me. Lord, if you blind the eyes of Nipsco, <laughs> Father, if you could just cut their lights off for a change. And when they come back on, let my record be deleted. <laughs> That's stealing. That's stealing. All right. God, if you can wake up these Packer fans and help them to see. I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But he do need to wake up these iPhone users, though. I tell you that. But I believe God wants our prayer life to supersede that of Marcus from Bad Boys. That God doesn't desire for us to pray to him only to get us out of bad situations. God isn't into let's make a deal. Prayer is not a get out of jail free card that we play when times are hard. But what does God consider as a good prayer life? What does God consider as a good prayer life? If, if God was to instruct us on how to pray, how would he instruct us? What does a healthy Christian prayer life look like? And today I seek to answer those questions for you. This is the beauty of Romans chapter 12. It is the most practical section in the book of Romans, a section that is so practical that it hurts sometimes. It is the section in Romans that tells us what to do now that we know what God has done. A couple weeks ago, I broke the book down in three ways. Theology, doxology, and sociology. But I like the way that Ken put it last week. He switched out that last word and he said, duology. Just in case you don't get sociology, you know what duology is. 
Romans 12 is all about how do I walk out this Christian life? How do I live this Christian life? What does it look like on a day-to-day basis? Well, today we will answer the question, how do I pray? We are skipping ahead in, uh, in, in chapter 12 to verse 12 to close out the week of prayer. I'm not, I'm not skipping uh, verses. For those of you who's, who's watching, I will go back. But my outline today is very simple. Prayer, be constant in. Prayer, be constant in. I like to tag this text, it's in the knees. We start with prayer. What is prayer? Let me tell you what it's not. Prayer is not good vibes. I hate to break it to you. But prayer is not sending positive vibes or energy into the world. The simple definition for Christians is talking to my heavenly father. It's as simple as that. Prayer is talking to our heavenly father. We are talking and connecting to a living being. We are not sending energy out somewhere in the vast cosmos, hoping that it bounces off some star and gets back to us. That's not what we're doing. This is no energy ball, no vibes. No, we're talking to God. God wants us to talk to him. Try positive vibes and don't talk to your wife and see what kind of vibes you get. You go get negative vibes. That's what you go get. <laughs> but girl, I've been, I've been, you know, putting on that cologne to get them positive vibes in here. I got your cologne. As we saw in Romans 8, a Christian is an adopted son or daughter of God himself. We have the incredible privilege of being in the family of God. Did you hear that word privilege? It is a privilege for you to be invited to the table of almighty God. I want you to feel the weight of this, that you have a relationship with God. And by virtue of this new and eternal relationship with God, prayer is a family communication. I think it is vital that that we are reminded that God is our dad. I want that to sit for a minute. That God is our dad. And no longer our judge. If God is your judge, you go to him to get acquitted and to plead with him like Marcus to get out of trouble. You relate to God as judge on the basis of your situation. But God doesn't want a situationship. He wants a relationship. If God is your father, your prayer life is about talking to someone you love. We're talking to someone we love. Talking with someone you have a relationship with. We think prayer is all about getting along and getting serious, and it does entail that, but God is our dad. And even evil fathers want to kick it and talk to their children. God wants to hear about your death. God wants to know what's going on with you. God simply wants you to talk to him at times. We learn this in the Bible, in Bible study, that before God is creator, 
before he is ruler or before he is judge, which is only true if God creates something in which he can now rule over as judge, is that true of him? But what has God always been from eternity past? What has God always been? God has always been an eternal father. He has always functioned as a role of a dead. And I think that is helpful if we see God first and foremost, not as creator, not as judge, but as one that has been an eternal father since eternity past. I bought the Bible just in case you didn't believe me. Here it is in John 17, 24. Here's Jesus. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the what? Before the what? Jesus takes his relationship with his father before creation. And he says that you love me before the foundation of the world, that God is no deadbeat father, but that this father thing is something that he's been doing for a long time. Being a dad is something that God delights in. Stop running from a father that loves you. Don't listen to what Satan has to say. Listen to what the word of God has to say. God wants to be a father to you. I think we could take notes in the room, Dad. Talk to your kids and let them know that you want to talk to them. You see, this is profound because in the Old Testament, they didn't have access like we have today. We take our access to God for granted. We have gotten cavalier in our position that we get to come to God freely. We have forgotten that there was a high price to pay if you came into the presence of God. In the Old Testament, they had all kinds of offerings they had to offer depending on the situation they were in in order to enter into the presence of God. That they couldn't just walk up and say, Our Father. No, they had to bring a sacrifice. Some of the sacrifices in the Old Testament, one is burnt offerings. This was an entire, this is when an entire animal is burned on the altar in order to gain divine favor from God. Or if they were not bringing a burnt offering, they were bringing a peace offering. A kidney and liver of a, a festival animal offered to God. If they were not bringing a peace offering, they were bringing a purification offering. A blood placed on the horns of the golden incense altar. Blood on the horns of the bronze altar. Why? To atone for community sin. They had to bring an offering in order to have access to God. In order to get an answer from God, they had to bring an animal sacrifice. Now watch this. We went from that to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Did you feel the shift in that? Did you feel the weight of that? That we're not coming to a throne of justice, but that we get to come to a throne of grace. 
and we get to enter and talk to our Father in a time of need. That is great privilege that everyone does not have, but that you can enter into his presence without him striking you down, without God killing you, without God pouring down his wrath on you, but instead it is, it is his endless love pouring down on us. This is the privilege that we have. Marcus came looking for a bargain in a plea deal. Why? Jesus is not his savior. He has no cross. And when you have no cross, you got to come to God on your own merit. But when you got Jesus, you ain't got to come to God on your own merit. You can come to God in the name of Jesus. And when you come to God on the basis of the name of Jesus, God hears you. The cross, the cross is the foundation of our prayer life. Because without the cross, there is no acceptable prayers. Without Jesus, God wouldn't hear from you. You never move past Jesus. Everything that you do has to go through Jesus. Your prayers got to go through Jesus. And even what God gives you got to go through Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of your prayer life. And I say this so that you know that you can quit running from God because you got had a bad week or you didn't do what you were supposed to do. God doesn't talk to you because you're a good Christian. God knows that you got sin and you're no good at the end of the day. God talks to you because when he looks at you, he doesn't see you. Instead, he sees Jesus. So, Father, I know I'm messed up. I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. But, God, I don't come to you on the basis of my works. God, I come to you on the basis of the finished work of your son, Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I know that he paid it all. And because he paid it all, I got the audacity to walk up in your presence because he has afforded me the opportunity to speak to you. And who has the opportunity to speak to the almighty God of the universe that controls everything, that is over everything, who gives that opportunity up? You got to be a colossal fool to not talk to a God who controls everything. I mean, you got full, yeah, you got full access. We get access to the president, we going. We get access to anybody who's important. Y'all remember Michael Jackson? Keen was singing about him last week, King of Pop. People got in his presence, oh, fell out, just fell out, prostrate on the floor. But the things that people will do to enter into the presence of somebody who matters. Man, you get to enter into the presence of God and put your request. You gonna leave that offer on the table? This is why the song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in. 
Oh, what a peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Paul doesn't only, only talk about what prayer is. He says, be. Be constant in prayer. Class, what tense is be? It's the present tense. It's today, now. In other words, prayer is an everyday sort of thing for us. If we take this and what, what we have just learned, we get the understanding that we need to continually be talking to our dad. I don't think we get the importance of this for our life. We get it with cell phones because we be on them all the time. We be talking and texting all the time. We be posting on Facebook all the time. And I don't think it's wrong that we be doing this, but the most important person to be talking to is your father. Some of the old saints understood this. You remember people thought they were crazy. They'd be in the kitchen washing dishes, look like they talking to themselves. They just gone scrubbing away. Got their little Dawn soap going and all that, and they just be talking. God, you know that I need you today. I'm telling you right now, God, if you don't show up. People be in there like, what's wrong with them? They be at work just talking away, just chatting, just chitter-chatting. People be like, what's wrong with them? They weren't sending up positive vibes. They were talking to God. I wish I had some people in the room that knew what it was to just every now and again, hey, give me a second. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go talk to them. Lord, you know good and well these people getting on my nerves. But, Lord, if you don't help me today, Father, if you don't help anybody ever pray a prayer for God to control your anger, God, you know that I'm going to go off in a minute. I've been trying to be love. I've been trying to be joy. I've been trying. You ain't never talked to God like that. I've been trying to be peace. But these people getting on my nerve. Heavenly Father, if you can help me, you come out the bathroom. Hey, how y'all doing? Woo, yeah, 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 y'all smelling, but y'all don't know that I just talked to my father, and when I talk to him, it does something down in my soul. He's a mind regulator. He gets my heart together and my mind together. Quit talking and texting everybody else and start talking to God. Let them call you crazy. Let them call you crazy. Because they ain't seen crazy until they seen you not talk to your father. You want to see crazy? Let me stop talking to God. I'm cussing everybody out up in here. I wish I had some people that would be real up in here. That if it wasn't for prayer, if it wasn't for communicating to God, you'd have done some things already. You'd have lost your mind. You'd have lost your peace. But you've been in connection with God. Prayer is the one phone call that should never have a hang-up option. The one communication line that shouldn't have that little red button at all. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Now, I know you think you all that. Yeah, you do. You think you all that in a bag of chips. And, uh, you need God every now and again. Because you, you know, you're stronger than the rest of us, you know. <laughs> you know, you got it more together than the rest of us. We know, we know, we know, we know. But, but uh, let me talk to you about Jesus for a minute. Uh, because Jesus really, really got it together. I mean, I mean, they said there wasn't no sin found in him. Uh, 
Let me see. He walked on water. Yep, yep, he did that. He turned water into wine. Yeah, he made the first bottle of Pinot Grigio. Uh, <laughs> let's see, what else did he do? What else did he do? He, he, he fed 5,000 with a Lunchable. Okay, yeah, yeah. He did that, yeah, he did that. Oh, yeah, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, he did. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And that man came up out of that grave. Hold on. He, um, he created the universe, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He created your blood type as well. Yeah, he did. He did all that. But, but, but we found him praying. Hold on. Jesus commands the cherubims and the seraphims. But, yeah, he prayed. Jesus, who's the ruler of the angels, Still prays. Oh, hold on. He's the deep counsel of the saints. And yet, still prays. He's the one whom the deep counsel of the Father is hidden. Still prays. And yet we find him praying always. Jesus prayed before his wilderness of temptation. Before naming his disciples. Before healing people at Gethsemane. Before his crucifixion and many other times, he neither rested on past prayer efforts nor saw it as a future emergency thing. He daily prayed. Now, if Jesus if Jesus got to pray, you keep thinking you ain't got to pray. And then he also taught us how to pray. He taught us in his model prayer, give us today daily bread. Okay. How you going to pray for daily bread if you don't pray daily? Some of y'all on that wonder bread. Y'all wondering why things ain't working out. Because your tail ain't praying. God, I'm just wondering why this is. You ain't been praying. You want wonders without praying for God to work wonders in your life. Y'all on that stale bread. You know when that blue stuff starts to show up. Oh. Look at y'all. Oh, that's nasty. Well, quit eating old bread then. So he says, be continually in prayer. We always fight the battle tallest and strongest on our knees. But what of this word constant? This is interesting and a challenging word. Uh, uh, it's a little exhortation. Constant, other translations go with faithful, devoted, or persevere. The Greek word is a very interesting one. Just put it up on the screen because I don't know how to say it. Here it is. To continue to do something with intense effort with the possible implications of despite difficulty, to devote oneself to, to keep on, to persist in, to persist obstinately in. It essentially means to stay put and unmovable. Prayer ain't easy. God wants us to stay in prayer and don't give up. This isn't the only place we find this. Some of your versions may say faithful in prayer or constant in prayer. I love the one translation that says devoted 
to prayer. That's a good translation. The word is also used in Mark 3, 9, where it says Jesus told his disciples to have a boat ready or devoted for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. A boat was set apart, devoted for the purpose of taking Jesus away in case the crowd became threatening. Devoted, dedicated for a task, appointed for it. Now, boats just sit there. That's all boats do. They, they sit. They don't move. They wait. The boat is sitting. But people are not dedicated that way. When the word is applied to a person, it means devoted or dedicated in the sense not only of designation and appointment, but of action in the appointed task. It is a pressing on in it. Imagine for a moment with me, if you were trying to knock down a wall, what would it take if you had a sledgehammer? A, it would take dedication, devotion, right? Yes, it would. But the evidence of the dedication is action. You're swinging. You start to hit the wall. Your first hit, the wall doesn't come down. You get a little bit of crack, and then you hit it again. Now you got a dent. You hit it again, and you got a bigger hole. You hit it again, and eventually it comes down. And that's how prayer works, friends. You may not get it on the first swing. You might not get it on the second swing, but you stay devoted to that thing and eventually something's going to move. Something's going to change. I wish I had some people in here who knew that you prayed for somebody to be saved. It didn't happen overnight. 20 years later, here they come walking to the altar because prayer when you're consistent. What we're saying, God, when we battle our knees before you is that I can't but you can. You're able to do what I cannot do. When we pray, what we are saying, God, I know my position in church. I know I'm the pastor of the church. I know I know what I am at home. I know that I'm a father. I know that I'm a husband. But when I bow my knee, what I'm saying is, as I know what I am, but you're something that no one else can be. You're almighty God. You're the ruler of the universe. And I'm just little old Dexter. It's in the knees. There was a young man who was determined to learn how to slam dunk a basketball. He went to the gym and attempted to dunk the ball, Keith. That's what he tried to do. He tried to dunk it several times. After missing numerous times, he began to analyze the difference between what he did when he missed and what he did when he didn't miss. He soon discovered that his ability to successfully dunk the ball could be attributed to his knees. Whether or not he bent his knee enough determined if he dunked the ball or not. And then all I'm trying to say is your ability to slam dunk for the kingdom of God. It's going to determine whether you're bending your knees or not. If you're not bending your knees, you can forget about slam dunking because God does not allow you to slam dunk because if he did, then you'll think that your dunking is on you. But when you bend your knees in prayer, God reminds you that your dunking didn't come from your ability, but it came from his ability, that it came from his authority. And God loves you enough not to allow you to get arrogant and beside yourself and so God doesn't move unless we pray you want to slam dunk for the kingdom of God you got to bend your knees I'm gonna put a little caveat here I use knees as an illustration for prayer but you don't necessarily have to bend your knees in order to pray 
Actually, in the Bible, the most common position of praying was standing up with your hands open. Sometimes we see people down on their face. It's not about the position of your body. It's about the position of your heart. Because God doesn't care if your body's bent. He doesn't care if you kneel. He doesn't care if you put your hands up. What God is looking for is he's looking at your heart. Are you surrendering to him in your prayers? Those who are prayerless people are arrogant people. The biggest measurement of your faith is do you pray? If you don't pray, it's revealing that you're arrogant. You know you can be swept away in a moment. That today you can be gone. You, little human beings, are in need of God. You know, I hear all these things. Pastor, I don't see miracles like we did in the book of Acts. You know how church folks are. They come to you, Pastor, why folks don't get healed like they used to? Pastor, why you don't turn water into wine? I know what you want. Get on up out of here. No, I'm just messing around. (laughs) But if you study the book of Acts, what you will see is that they were devoted to prayer. And the book of Acts is the book that the Holy Spirit is moving like crazy. I mean, he's doing all kind of things. I mean, 3,000 people get saved in one day. What do we learn from the book of Acts? God can do more in three seconds than you can do in three years. God can do more in five seconds than you can do in five years. And one of the reasons we don't pray is because we say we're too busy. God knows that I got things to do. Can I argue this morning that you'll get more done if you pray? That God doesn't need your human effort to accomplish his will, but if you would submit to him, that God would do way more with your time. Can I argue that? We're so stressed because we don't talk to God. Can I argue that some of us are so depressed because we don't talk to God? Can I argue that some of our marriages are struggling because we don't talk to God? Isn't it a troubled thing when you become dependent on yourself? What needless pains we carry because we do not carry it to the Lord. In prayer. Prayer, be constant in. I love this little two-letter word, in. Paul, what are you trying to say? Be constant in. What does that mean, Paul, when you say be in prayer? I think it means to live in prayer and prayer to live in you. Almost as if I carry prayer with me everywhere I go. It's almost second nature to me. 
It means that as I, as I am thinking about other things and doing other things, my heart is in a state of Godwardness. It's in a state of God awareness that easily slips into prayer throughout the day. Every now and again, I may be driving and I may slip into prayer. I may be working and I may be I may slip into prayer. I may begin my haircut and I may slip into prayer. Watch it now, because I'll be talking to you and I may slip into prayer. I may be walking my dog and I may slip into prayer. I may be watching TV and I may slip into prayer. I may be in an argument with my spouse and slip into prayer. When Paul said, be in prayer, prayer is so much in you that when people see you and they say, that go past the decks right there. I want people to say, that's a praying something right there. Yeah, 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 but that's past the deck. No, that's a praying something right there, boy. That's the kind of reaction that I want. I want prayer to be so embedded. I want prayer to be so a part of my life that wherever I go, prayer is going with me. I figured that wouldn't help you. You got to think of it like cabbage and cornbread. You got to think of it like cabbage and cornbread. There was once a father and his son working in the field. Like most people who worked in the field, they rose at the crack of dawn to get started before the sun got real hot. They would work all morning until about 10 and then stop for lunch. One day the son left the father in the field and went to the house to get his lunch. When he got to the house, his mother was cooking cabbage. Anybody like cabbage in the room? I just want to pause right now. Cabbage, cabbage sounds like some praying food. That's... Anybody like cabbage and cornbread up in here? And here it is. His mother was cooking cabbage. He begged his mother for a plate of cabbage. She refused and said, boy, you know I cook cabbage all day before I let someone eat them. That's going to be some good cabbage when you got to cook it all day. And then he asked for a piece of cornbread. His mom gave him permission to get the cornbread. He took the cornbread and he held it over the cabbage pot and allowed the steam from the cabbage to get inside of the cornbread until it got good and wet. His mother then told him to go get his father for lunch. As he walks to his father, nibbling on the cornbread, his father asks, what are you eating, boy? The boy said, I'm eating cabbage. The father said, I know you're not eating cabbage because since, because, because since your mother didn't have none left over from last night and it takes her all day to cook it and she doesn't give it to anybody until she's done. So what are you eating? The boy showed his father the cornbread and said it was cabbage. What I'm trying to say is that prayer ought to get so far inside of you that no matter where you go, prayer goes. No matter where the cornbread went, the cabbage went so that when his father seen the cornbread he wasn't lying he was calling the cabbage I wish I had some people that knew what it was to get prayer so far inside of you that people say wherever he goes God goes wherever she goes God goes I know I'm going through a tough situation but God is with me I know that it doesn't look right but God is with me I know it look like I should have peace but God is with me I wish I had some people in here when you pray something happens on the inside when you pray something happens in here it's almost as if we can taste God 
It's almost as if you're getting a piece of who he is. There's something about prayer. There's something about prayer that changes circumstances. But I'm afraid many of us in the room, we stopped praying. We lost our zeal for God. We lost our fire for God. We usually start going on a spiritual decline, and the first thing to go is prayer. The least attended service in the church is prayer. But what would God do if we took prayer seriously? What? What? Would God do if we started to pray every day? What peace would we have if we started to pray again? What marriages would be healed if we started to pray again? What broken relationships would be mended if we started to pray again? How would God rock this community if we started to pray again? What love would be in the room if we started to pray again? What joy in the gospel would we have if we begin to pray again? I think it's appropriate for us to make our first prayer a prayer of repentance for a lack of prayer. Can we be honest? Prayer is hard. Why is prayer so hard? Because it takes faith to pray. You can't pray without faith. This is what Hebrew says. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. You're not coming to a God that you don't believe exists. And just because you say you believe he exists doesn't mean that you really believe that he exists. Because if you believe that he exists, you'll talk to him. When you grow up. You stop talking to Santa Claus. You stop talking to them because you find out, hope ain't no kids in the room, that they're not real. So you stop talking to make-believe stuff because you're crazy when you do that. But when you believe that God is real, you keep praying to him because you believe that he exists. Here's the other thing you need to know about prayer and why it's so hard. Prayer is like wrestling. Y'all remember The Rock, right? Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Boy, they get up in that ring, and they be throwing each other around. People be tossing. He jumping off the ropes. People elbow. That's how prayer is. Prayer is a wrestling match. Not against the person next to you, but against the principalities and high places. We're going up against demonic fights when we pray. Okay, you did. I knew you wouldn't believe me, so I brought some scripture. 
Here it is in Colossians. I love this verse. I'm going to do it in three translations because I want you to see the word. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. If you don't like struggling, here's the way the ESV says it. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salute you always laboring fervently for you in prayer that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That's actually the KJV because I heard the E in there. That's how I know that. Here's the last one. I mean, that KJV just sound holy, baby, like ye. Uh, and some of y'all be talking like talking about some ye. Man, just say you, okay? Um, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always So you wonder why when you start to pray, your mind starts to wonder. Can, can I just have some honest people in the room? When, 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 when you get ready to pray, everything comes up. I mean, I mean, the whole time you say, I'm going to pray today on everything. And, and, and you know how we have some of us, we're like, on everything I love, God, I'm going to pray today. Today is going to be the day that I pray. And you get ready to pray, and everything comes up. You get ready to pray. And your kids start bothering you. Now, some of y'all, y'all go to the bathroom because you know you go to the bathroom, you get a little privacy. Somebody start knocking on the door. <laughs> then when you actually get a good prayer in, the moment you get off of your knees, there seems like somebody just want to just wanna throw you that day. They, they just want to do something to you that day. You will finally start to get your peace back because you begin to depend on God. Satan doesn't want your stuff. He wants your faith and he wants your prayer life. That's what he's after. But you can't give it to him. You got to say, if I don't do nothing else, I'm going to pray about this thing. If I don't do nothing else, I'm going to pray. And we're going to wrestle. We may go 12 rounds, devil, but we're going to wrestle. We're going to wrestle because I've determined not by might, not by strength, not by power, but by his spirit shall I overcome these things. Do I got some people that want to pray in the room? I got some people that say, Pastor, we'll pray with you. I got some people in the room that say, we'll pray about that thing. We'll lock arms together. Let's do this thing. We believe that God wants to move in this place, that God wants to move in this community, that God wants to move on our marriages. I don't need everybody. I just need about four or five of you that are getting in line with me and say, Pastor, we'll hold the prayer line for you. We don't do anything else. We got to pray. Remember Moses. In the desert, they're battling. They held his arms up. Every time the arms fell down, what happened? They started losing them. Every time he lifted his hands back up in prayer, they started winning the battle. I want us to win around here. So let's not be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word.